At the end of your life, what will be your legacy? What will you leave behind for future generations? For the world, join the world messenger, Isabella Lundberg, each week as she brings you a new distinguished guest from the business, sports, or entertainment world to share their success, their struggles, and their lessons. They will share their insights into current hot topics that affect everyone. Isabella facilitates an intimate, vulnerable environment to find the true value of humanity and real leadership. Are you ready for your legacy? The legacy that matters? Hello, hello, my beautiful friends. It's Isabella Lombic here, the World Messenger, and I'm welcoming you again for another phenomenal episode of the Legacy Leaders uh, show. We have a very special guest coming from Tampa Bay this morning, and um, he is great friend and someone who I've been watching for a while on LinkedIn that is absolutely passionate about technology innovation and working with executives. Areas that I love as well and he is Vice President of Services for Gartner for General Manager Managers Program. But he is also working with the lead research and advocacy within the Gartner, which I'm sure you guys are curious to learn more what that all means specifically during the current time that we're in. So without further ado, welcome Michael Massetti, welcome. Isabella, hello. Thank you so much for this opportunity. I'm gonna look forward to, I think this is the third time we've had an extended conversation. So great to spend the day with you. Absolutely, thank you so much for finding time. I know you have a very busy schedule specifically Obviously, 2020 is being challenging for so many of us, and I'm sure with you, with position you're in, and that how the tremendous needs are, that uh, your time get eaten up very quickly, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And uh, it's interesting that the, uh, the disruption that we've seen and the challenge in 2020 has only made time availability worse, not better as some people thought. I can explain that more as we go along. I cannot uh, wait to dive in, but before we even start on the current time and to pick in what is happening, do you mind just sharing, how did you get involved in technology and consistently being throughout all your professional career, part of it? You know, I have to go way back in life to, uh, to the starting point. My dad was an electrician. He never graduated high school. His uh, mom had died at a young age and he was in a large immigrant family. So he had to start working and uh, he told me his son was not gonna be stuck in that same kind of thing. And uh, he was an electrician and he said, you should be an electrical engineer. And I thought about that in, uh, in seventh grade and uh, eighth grade, and so 1971 timeframe, I was introduced to a computer and fell in love with it and uh, have been playing with it ever since. Uh, technology is just a lot of fun. I'm a device geek, uh, computing, phones, yeah, you name it. And uh, it's, it's exciting because so many good things have come out of technology uh, and then the innovation that we've seen. Of course, many challenges as well, uh, but the overriding benefits of technology have been great. And it's just been a pleasure and really exciting to be part of that, even if it's just a small part. That's fantastic. So you knew it when as soon as you uh, start playing with the computers, that's the really direction you wanted to go. And you've been working with some really prestigious companies and through their growth and contraction, um, as well as challenges. So do you mind just sharing, obviously, in the last 20 or 30 years, uh, what is what you've seen, what has happened? Obviously, technology is evolving, but what things really from the background or from behind the scene, what do you see is truly happening? You know, I, it, that's, a, that's a really good question. And I, I wanna take that uh, perspective really from the human side of it. Right? You know, technology gets all the press, but at the end of the day, it's there, uh, hopefully to help uh, humans communicate, work, 
more effectively, et cetera. Uh, but you know, what, what we've seen is really a combination of huge technology innovations that have been very, very disruptive. And as we've entered into the 21st century, uh, Mother Nature has uh, thrown a lot of disruptions at us. So uh, how we all as leaders and organizations evolve in those areas has been really keen to me. We were introduced to the internet in the early 90s and it, you know, it hit us uh, in a very big way uh, right at the turn of the century. Uh, when Apple introduced iTunes, uh, a subscription service space for people to buy things, uh, it hit us really, really hard. Uh, the iPhone and uh, smartphones that came out around 2007, 2008, uh, basically got rid of all those little phones that everybody had. I remember back at that time, we stick them in our pocket because they were nice and small. And now we carry around these seven inch uh, little devices. So, you know, we continue to see these huge disruptions uh, in us. And, uh, and most recently, uh, voice activated and uh, uh, artificial intelligence based devices like Siri and Cortana and uh, Alexa and, and what have you that uh, we're now talking to things to get our jobs done. So I think that's been a really, really huge um, part of what we, we've seen over the last 25 or so years. And then coupled with that people, uh, you know, we're connected. And I think I'll highlight just one part of this. We're connected now, you know, 24 seven is sort of a cliche that we all like to use, but we're, we're virtually connected 24 seven. It's hard to have someone go on vacation and say, look, if you do one more email, we're going to shut your email off while you're on vacation. So that puts a lot of stress on people and, and the organizations to, um, you know, mentor good behavior, right? It's not smart for me on Sunday night if I'm on vacation, especially sending emails to my team. It, it, it creates even more stress and pressure. And then you have the type of people who are just real high performers and they believe 24-7 connectivity is key to them and they're constantly engaged. So many disruptions in technology side, uh, many you know, these type of challenges on the humans. And then in the last 15 years, we've seen earthquakes, we've seen uh, volcano disruptions. We've had major a lot of natural, we've had fires, disasters, lots yeah. of natural disasters. And uh, they're, you know, the big ones that we used to say happen once in a lifetime are happening almost annually now. So big challenges in a lot of areas for people and leaders and organizations. You really tackle a lot of here and, and thank you so much for sharing uh, major disruptions, things that really serve us well, but and also that we're finding that are affecting human dynamics, human nature, right? Because we desire to be connected, but then at the same time, we need to have a time to unplug self-care, uh, as well as also uh, create a healthy working environment. And those are now more and more challenging, specifically in the United States, to be preserved because a lot of organizations, um, before even COVID, uh, we are pushing uh, more and more what is possible in terms mm -hmm. of uh, performance and in terms of delivery that uh, appeared to be taking away the human aspects of it. And that obviously creates a lot of stressors. So do you mind sharing a little bit about the culture? You're part of right now, um, and I want you to use your words, uh, what type of culture you were involved in. But it seems like you also had some major disruptions before you got to the Gartner. Uh, and do you mind just showing cycle of the technology, even with the change with certain companies and, and, and uh, something that uh, you work with Dell, uh, if you don't mind just comparing and depict few companies that you work with and challenges they experienced way before, obviously, uh, 2020, COVID and this major economic shift. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah, I can think of, let me connect three points over the course of my now 41-year career. Uh, I started with IBM, had a great uh, experience there for 18 years in the semiconductor division. And the way I would characterize IBM, and not in a denigrating way for my 
former colleagues and what have you, it moved relatively slowly. Uh, right? It was a very large company, a phenomenal company to be part of and to have on your resume. Uh, but it got surprised by the PC marketplace that it created uh, and didn't respond very well. And uh, there I am 14 years into my career and we're having these big layoffs and what have you. Uh, the PC industry starts taking off. I got the opportunity to join Dell. And the way I used to describe it to the people I was hiring and recruiting to come join Dell is bring your running shoes. It was a really, really highly innovative culture. Uh, take every hill that it could take, move very quickly. Uh, if there was ever in a, a company that talked about and actually uh, exemplified how to take smart risk and how to be you know, agile and, uh, and aggressive in, the, in behavior in the marketplace, it was Dell. It was really phenomenal. But then I had a personal disruption. Uh, the 2001 internet bubble, as we like to call it now, uh, burst. I was among uh, several thousand people who got laid off from Dell and uh, I found myself now wanting for what, what, what next. Uh, and at the time, 9-11 uh, happened. Uh, so another one of those major disruptions. And as you're sitting there on the couch watching the, the, the towers in the city I grew up in uh, collapse, you start saying, what is gonna happen next? Uh, and, and for me, it was a big transition. I was uh, hired into Lucent Technologies in the world of supply chain and sourcing. And you know, from that point forward, I've been in uh, mostly the supply chain until recently. Uh, but the other point I wanted to bring up is uh, advanced micro devices. I joined them right after the 2008 uh, and 2007 financial crisis. So business was in a horrible, horrible shape. I joined at a time where um, more people were getting taken out than be brought in. So I was very, very fortunate to have that there. But what I saw was a company that had the utmost survival gene. There was nothing that would ever prevent AMD from being successful. Um, we, they had a lot of challenges in the technology, clearly an excellent and formidable competitor with Intel, but just that culture of we will win, we will win, we will win uh, was just so great to be part of. And even now that I'm gone for six or seven years, you look at what they've done in the marketplace recently, they came back out and they're shining like a phoenix. I mean, if, if anything embodies, uh, stay with it, keep going. Uh, you know, if at first you don't succeed, it's, uh, it's AMD. So it was great, three different, completely different cultures in, uh, in, in the career that I've got to witness and be part of. But I'm sure amazing uh, experience and amazing wealth of, of knowledge that helped you obviously to pivot now during this current time and help your employees and your coworkers because a lot of organizations and a lot of partners and a lot of vendors and clients are really, really struggling. So it's always great to have that not only mm -hmm. winning attitude, but also supporting attitude because you've been there and done that on personal and professional levels. So you really know how to continue to nurture that. Uh, you just mentioned something also in terms of September 11th, we just had a most few, few days ago recently um, anniversary and uh, you grew up in New York. Uh, do you mind just sharing, have you been in New York during the time that the event occurred or, or you were already re relocated outside of the New York? Yeah, I, I was in, uh, living in Austin, Texas at the time. Uh, but I, I wound up, uh, as I was interviewing before joining Lucent Technologies, and thanks to Joe Carson and Jose Mejia, call out in case you guys watched this, for hiring me back then. Uh, but I drove around New York City after the interviews. I had a, a, a weekend in between interviews. So I drove from New Jersey over to my sister's in Long Island and back. And I did it in such a way that I encircled the entire city. And it was really, really hard to take your eyes off the gap in the sky. I mean, the, the, mm. the, sky, the, the the towers were built in 1971, and they were a permanent fixture for the next uh, 30 years than anybody who's lived and grown up or visited New York. And so that absence was just really, really striking. 
Uh, so I've been back and forth quite a bit. The last time I was in New York was uh, Super Bowl Sunday this year. And then at the end of February, wow. right as COVID was hitting. So I had my masks, I uh, cleaned my, I had my wipes and everything, uh, knowing that it was flu season anyway, but not knowing that we were on the verge of another big disruption at the time. Wow, wow. Thank you for sharing that because uh, obviously everybody's been impacted and affected and then specifically when you, your city and city you grew up uh, has a definitely different weight. Uh, and that really also brings fast forward with the current events and what is really happening right now in the United States. We have a lot of extreme uh, disasters that are obviously mm -hmm. fires and environmentally related. And then we also have a COVID and so many things that really as a result are affecting employees of mm -hmm. their performance and also direction. It's very, very hard uh, to really uh, move forward uh, with ease, specifically when everybody's now working from home, kids are screaming in the background because you're schooling from home as well. So do you mind sharing some of the dynamics that you experienced and that you're seeing from your colleagues and, and just to some of the new trends uh, as sure. a result of what we experience now? Yeah, yeah. yeah let, me, let me set the table and, and then answer the question directly. So the organization that I'm part of at Gartner, we advise high technology general managers on product strategy and vision, go to market, all the things that allow them to bring their services and their products to the marketplace. And one of the jokes and memes that have been floating around is, you know, the, the question that you ask a CEO or your CIO, what is it that drove your digital transformation, right? And the answer they circle is COVID, right? This disruption, which has been uh, disastrous to so many people and a challenge to many, many around the world has also opened up the eyes of a lot of executives and leaders that they needed to transform their business models even more aggressively uh, than they had ever thought about. So we're, you know, we're stuck in the middle of that or uh, placed very, very nicely in the middle of that. Uh, and what I mentioned to you as we were uh, talking just before, one of the things that has uh, really, really stood out for me with my team, and I've got a team of very, very senior executives, uh, pleasure to work with these guys. But you know, it's, it's this combination of our clients are now not traveling anymore. They've got all these pressures about growing their business, getting their products into the marketplace. So they're connecting with us at, at record high levels, which is, is great for the business, but the guys are overwhelmed. Okay, so they're just getting, I've got all this call, I got this meeting, I need to do uh, this plan for this client, I've got to prepare this presentation, they want us to have a, a discussion with their CEO, a lot of really, really great things in terms of helping them with their business. But the flip side of it is nobody's traveling, everybody's at home, children, dogs, wives, husbands, whatever it might be. And there's a sense of almost being disconnected because, you know, uh, as we like to say, pressing flesh uh, even if it's uh, two or three times a year, just meeting with your colleagues and friends, meeting with your, uh, your clients or your suppliers and having that interaction, it, it just fills a big part of the human component that, you know, well, I'm getting very used to talking to people in, on Zoom or WebEx or Teams all day long. That's sort of what my job is. You miss the opportunity to sit with somebody and take a pause and think about something and have a conversation not governed and dictated here. So, you know, for me as a lead, it's been a lot more sensitive about them personally. Uh, you know, asking how things are going every day in a genuine way, in an authentic way, not just to say, okay, I checked that one off the list, but hey, how's it, how's it going home? You know, things going okay? Boy, I see you were really busy this week. Is there anything I can do? I, you know, I think for me, that is uh, probably the most telling aspect of this is really, really emphasizes the human uh, emotional uh, quotient or you know, emotional intelligence side of what's required as a leader and the empathy necessary to stay connected with your team and to help them go through a difficult time. 
That is wonderful. And I'm so glad that you're one of those very supportive uh, leaders in your organization within your team, uh, because we need more help uh, than ever before, obviously, and need to offer that without even wondering or, or waiting for people to ask, because mm -hmm. right now, a lot of people are for first time experiencing the magnitude of so many complex issues that they just can't, can't even compare and voice it what exactly is going on with them, right? But then also, I'm sure the clients that we're serving, specifically executives, because imagine now making decisions and, mul and multiplying that and amplifying with such a level of crisis. And, and it's like, how do I know that I'm making the right decision? I'm counting on these analytics reports and supports and uh, partnerships with Gartner or other partners that we're working with in order to make those um, decisions in the best light, and not only short term, but also long term. Because uh, looking right now, even statistics in 2019, just the top 10 Fortune 500 companies scale change in the last 10 years dramatically from those mm -hmm. 10, only two okay. of them stayed on that scale. So uh, it's predicted already, not only financial implications, but we're seeing a lot of contraction right now. So do you mind sharing a little bit also what your clients, what C-suite is experiencing at this moment? So for listeners that are part of it or working with it, and they're not really fully aware of, of some of the systematic issues that really, again, uh, can have a really good, strong perspective coming directly from you. You know what, I think one of the most intriguing things that I have gleaned from the clients that we work with is while at the same time right now, clearly there are some very, very short-term things that are really compelling. Like, are my employees safe? Uh, can I still run my business? Um, when do I open up my offices if I have offices? When do I start allowing people to travel safely and not feel like we're uh, forcing people to do things? So, you know, there's so much of this stuff that's very, very uncertain. You know, I, I don't know that any of us can predict, and anybody who tries is, is arguably kidding themselves, uh, but I don't know that any of us can predict what's going to happen in the next three and six to nine months, right? Other than take one day at a time, uh, stay focused on your priorities. But one of the things that we've seen, like I said, that's sort of di a dichotomous to that is the long-term plan. Um, what do I need to do with an office space in the future? Should I really plan on having everybody there? How can I improve my, uh, my organization's overall digital capabilities uh, so that people can work remotely. I know, I know I've been working at home now and we've noticed that the, uh, uh, the connection back into the company is a little slower than it used to be when there was only a few hundred of us working at home. Now there's 10, five, 10,000 people working at home. You know, how do companies adapt to that? Um, how do they deal with innovation long-term? I, I think as we go through things today, people are starting to say, well, we can be very productive at home. I'm not driving. Yeah, I'm getting distracted by my dog once in a while, but I'm now focused and I get in early and I, I work long. But at the same time, there's concerns about, are we losing some of the capabilities of the innovation culture mm -hmm. that you have in the organization and, or the culture at all as you bring new people in? Uh, so, you know, I, we see a lot of executives really thinking longer term about what they need to do. And, and I think one of the cool things is that they're thinking very holistically. So they talk about organization, they talk about culture, they talk about the office of the future, they talk about the productivity, but they also talk about how do they be successful and grow in the marketplace and continue to, uh, you know, lead forward and be successful. So like I said, interesting dichotomy between the uncertainty and what you need to do to tackle today, but also the vision that they're carrying and the focus on the future that we see. 
That's fantastic. It's so actually great to hear that they did not lose the side on the vision and direction of organization and mission. What is organization out to do? But then also looking on all those pieces and how they are adjusting and changing so that it, that division and mission is supported. Mm -hmm. um, I also love this piece of culture because a lot of cultural aspects that we know are shifting and changing and mm -hmm. uh, that could be really hard to wheel back. And as a result, different dynamics and patterns, what we're doing, how we're mm -hmm. doing, also changing that will be hard to uh, gain back depending upon how long this is gonna last. And a lot yep. of questions that others are asking is like, Isabella, what's your prediction? How long is this gonna last from the global standpoint? And then also, you know, what is the pulse in the United States? And I have to say, you know, um, we're gonna have a little bit more tougher time before we actually see smooth sailing again. And, and, and it's sad because a lot of uh, organizations I found are stuck still in the past. Mm -hmm. uh, and just the fact that we're not gonna go back where we used to be and that things cannot really function on that level. It's a lot of choices and decisions also to be made. Oh, absolutely. Conscious leadership uh, for much more um, community-based leadership, much more impact, different programs, not just more to appeal, attractive, or just to check off, as you mentioned earlier, yeah. uh, we're providing supporting different NGOs, but what we're really truly doing, how we are being uh, as an organization, and how we truly do attract, again, talent and people to be part of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, you know, talking about attracting talent and what have you, uh, you know, most, my team is 100% remote uh, as a good part of our, our, our service organization is uh, we just hired somebody. Uh, usually we hire somebody, we bring them to the corporate headquarters in Connecticut. Uh, we spend a week introducing the people. They go through a couple of the uh, pre-designed classes and at least they get to put names and faces and a and physical structure with, the, uh, with their role. Um, he hasn't left his home yet. Wow. <laughs> Still working two months in, right? You know, we're helping about everything but it's a completely different experience because you know you, you haven't met anybody new you haven't seen the facility you haven't gotten a gartner pen or whatever it might be uh so that it's just really interesting that the uh, the change that has and, and and of course the interaction as the leader that it you know, forced on us and it's, you know, compels us to you know stay in touch we have a, every monday we talk but we were talking three or four times during the week as well just to make sure that that whole onboarding process and becoming part of the team and feeling like you're part of the fabric actually happens so that you can imagine that in a remote environment that uh, and people just working at home whether it's full-time or just in this short uh, duration that we're going through now that's a really difficult thing to get traction on who you are who the company is what is the dynamic of the organization like right the things that we like to call culture uh, is there a yeah. sense of humor are we very serious um how do we collaborate how do we escalate issues right there's so much that's ingrained in it that it's hard very hard to do when you're far away and uh, the lack of connections there and so you know, it falls on the leaders to be a be aware of that and then b to be proactive and do things with with their people and help them as much very, as they Very, very true. And if you don't mind, what would be some of the suggestions and recommendations? It seems like you're doing a lot of things extremely well, but what would you recommend? Uh, what will be the secret sauce or, or at least two or three golden nuggets that they should ma make sure that they're implementing with their teams? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, uh, I think number one, tell people, and I, I've encouraged my guys, spend time for yourself. 
take a break. It's okay if you take a, a day off on a Friday. In fact, we had a we scheduled a couple of weeks ago a uh, afternoon virtual happy hour that we got everybody in just to chat for the, on Labor Day weekend. Yay. Yeah. So just encouraging people to take some personal time because um, you know another one of the jokes that you could find on in social media was I can't tell if I'm working at home or sleeping in my office, and that that's not a good sign, right? So you take some time to rest. Uh, you know, number two is I I always ask. What can I do for you? And I think that's important. You know, again, it has to be genuine. It can't be, hey, do you need anything for me? Okay, okay, thanks, bye. But hey, what can I do to help? Listen for um, clues and hints of frustration. Listen, look for in email uh, signs of uh, frustration or you know, passive aggressive behavior or anything like that that says my person, my people are feeling stress. They, going back to what I said before, they're feeling overwhelmed or they feel disconnected or the confluence of those two emotions, right? So, you know, asking for help. And then the third one, which sort of lays on top of all that, is just, you know, empathy, listen, uh, observe, um, be aware of yourself, be aware of them and what you can do. It just, I, it's really, to my, in my mind right now, while we talk about technology and all that stuff, technology is great. It enables, I'm surrounded by two computers, two cell phones, <laughs> a printer, modems, all within about five feet of me here that no one can see on the screen, of course. But at the end of the day, it's those one-on-one -on -one relationships. It's those conversations. And, uh, and I talk to my guys every single week. Sometimes they're 15, 20 minute calls. And a lot of times we chat, but just staying connected, listening, and you know, said, addressing the, uh, the points of, Take time to rest, make sure that they're getting the support they need and, and looking for signs of uh, undue stress or uh, overwhelming uh, behavior on them. That is brilliant. And I love that you just mentioned that again, because September is a month of the suicide prevention and seeing yes. the oh, yeah. high amount of suicide, specifically actually around seasoned veterans and C-suite executives amongst uh, others. But definitely, you know, when you think about it, it's like, what is giving out in terms of pressure and lack of support and as you just said that genuine connection and relationship knowing that again uh, we can don't have to do everything ourselves that we have that internal support that people truly generally care that we will find solution you can definitely ask questions sure. a lot of, of that unfortunately um does not come to the light which it which often is still is too late and seeing, seeing this new pattern, uh, since like you guys already instituting very healthy environment, not only for self-care, but also for great mental health check yeah. for everybody and holding everybody to that standard that is um, really, really admirable actually during the current events, so. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, I have to praise my company, I mean, Gardner has done a great job of that, uh, keeping managers aware, keeping people aware and letting people know there's resources out there. You know, it's a, uh, uh, I'm not sure compassion is one of the first words that anybody would use to describe the general state of things here in the United States today uh, and, and many parts of the world. But that's such an important thing right now to, to understand that everybody's going through things differently. They, no matter who they are, where they are in their life, their career or whatever, you know, as an individual, if you have leadership responsibility, you need to be sensitive and aware of all of the things that could be going on with people. Because at the end of the day, um, their commitment to do a great job a big part of that, of course, is intrinsic to them as individuals. And, and, and you know, like I said, I've got a lot of people who are uh, 30 years of experience in my organization. So these people are naturally driven. But on the other hand, you know, you've got to really make sure that uh, 
you've demonstrated that you're trustworthy as a leader, that you have the empathy, you will listen to them and, and appreciate and respect them, that you know the business well, that you trust them, right? You, that foundation of trust, respect, rapport are really, really core to helping people feel comfortable and not exposed uh, or overly uh, you know, or overwhelmed in the situation that we're dealing with today. It's, re it's a real human time. And, and, you know, I know we, we started with technology and, and we're talking through technology, <laughs> but it, in my mind, it's really a human time right now. Very important. And, and I'm glad you're bringing this up because, uh, you know, being in San Francisco, for example, and then listening about artificial intelligence and then machine learning and all these different pieces, but also how careful we need to be amongst actually C-suites, you know, how some danger of the technology also could truly uh, not only cause major problems, but also affect universally humanity. I'm glad that we're pausing a level setting because the value again, sure. who is the biggest asset? It's not just the brand and technology the company offers and solutions that they have, but there are people that are driving those solutions and engagements. And now I think hopefully more and more companies and more CEOs will uh, understand and see uh, this shift was necessary uh, to level set and fill the gap and prioritize who is the biggest asset in that company and, and how you protect those assets. And, and, and because we got to the point that we really start creating very unhealthy culture and what happens usually with the global companies, other countries start replicating that. And, and what will we see snowballing domino effect of reversed actually implications of something that initially maybe started as, you know, good, good, good thing to do and good practice, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> but if you don't mind, Mike, uh, Michael, could you just please share a little bit about um, you, you also have a data, you have insane amount of data analytics yeah. and, and you can compare now these components, technology, trends, what's coming, what this six, eight, nine months in this year teaching us. Um, do you mind sharing some of the really uh, solid examples of what is happening and where we headed uh, that we're bringing this, again, people process technology component together? Uh, and, and, and what do you see in terms of trends and actually high demands and needs? Sure, sure. So I'm, I'm compelled to uh, use one of my uh, favorite sayings right now is uh, that inflection points are only visible in the rear view mirror. And you know, 2020 <laughs> has been a very huge inflection point. Uh, uh -huh. and, 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 and you know, I use that to say that trends are trends and businesses always, every marketing plan, every business plan you'll ever see has something that's going up and to the right. No one ever says, oh, there's gonna be this bubble out here in August of whatever <laughs> year, and we're gonna go backwards for a while, but, but they happen. Um, so I think one of the biggest trends that we're starting to see right now is just risk and resiliency management, which has been around for a while. And if you talk to people in the profession, uh, whether it's in supply chain, which of course is, uh, is arguably the most visible functional area that gets affected by the type of disruptions that we've seen. Um, you know, an organization that doesn't know how well or how quickly or what it needs to do to respond when something happens and, and be resilient, be able to get back to normal operations as quickly as possible. Uh, that, that's critical right now. And, and you know, there's a lot of attention being paid to that. Right? that I think that's, that's number one. Um, Number two, as we see digital transformation occurring, you know, uh, Isabella, you mentioned things like artificial intelligence, machine learning, right? those are core components to uh, a digital, a more digital future. I think we've been digital for a number of years by now, uh, but yes. let's say a way more digital future. Security is, is also really 
critical. Um, you know, we've had plenty of stories and they're all aware of major hacks and, uh, and people uh, losing their uh, credit cards and, uh, and, and companies losing revenue streams and, uh, and things like that. Uh, but security is really, really critical in terms of how people uh, protect their companies, how they individuals protect themselves, but also how technology developers uh, produce products and services that actually have uh, security and risk uh, built into them. Right? And, and uh, uh, not to make this an Apple commercial, but Apple's TV commercials of late have been talking about security and they have somebody walking around telling them their weight, telling them their heart rate, telling them that um, they're looking at divorce lawyers, right? Examples of things that could leak out, uh, but it's really emphasizing the security that they're, they're focused on. I mean, let's just, I hope they truly are. Um, and then I think the third thing is, uh, you know, it, it gets a lot of uh, press in, in our world uh, is the whole the concept of moving to the cloud. Um, you know, for those of us who are really familiar with that, you know, the story, your iPhone, uh, your, your Samsung, your Android files, your music all up in the cloud, uh, you know, you can get them anywhere. Uh, your banks now you're doing electronically, things like that. So cloud-based services and moving away from uh, everybody having stuff physically stored by themselves is now being uh, you know, is growing significantly. Uh, in, in the one area uh, recently in the, some of the Gartner data, when we looked at the different applications and technologies and markets and how they were growing, the cloud-based businesses were all growing and expected to grow even faster than uh, might have been earlier in the year. Now, granted, everything's taking a little dip right now. And things that were more legacy type Absolutely. of uh, products and markets are not moving as fast. Uh, and then you see segments that are changing differently underneath that. But uh, you know, th those are those are at least three things that I, uh, I, I see. So, you know, risk and resiliency, uh, security, and then, of course, the transformation to the cloud. Those are three major, major trends going on. Right now. Wow. Um, that is great to actually have a good sense of, guys, because for everybody that is listening and watching, because obviously um, I'm just seeing a lot of shifts, even small and medium-sized businesses. When you mentioned mm -hmm. use of the cloud space and digitalization, all these files take tons of memory. And as a result, uh, majority of the products and services, I mean, stuff that's in the cloud in terms of also file, in terms of exchange and share, mm -hmm. in terms of virtual access to certain things, um, which also, of course, has a more users, as a result, more risks. So, so everything is interconnected and you cannot solve one you sure cannot look at just the one, you know, uh, win here. I was like, this is great. We're all on cloud, but what do we do to maintain it, the safety, right. security, and also that we're training staff and members to use it properly and not create a, because as we know, all the bridges always usually come from human error. Oh, and absolutely. neglect and not falling through the process and protocol. And as we know, that is also very detrimental right now as everybody wants to get a data. And what is the data? When you look at the cost of data and the, the data is suppressing uh, or overpassing actually um, the cost of uh, other, other uh, mm -hmm. in the past known to be uh, precious, uh, you know, metals or, or gas and oil or whatever it is. It's like what we're truly turning into uh, right now. Uh, what is the data and what is going to be in years to come? Yeah. And, and how we again use the data. That's another other aspects of it. And I'm seeing a lot of regulations from individual mm -hmm. use and a different uh, very rigid policies and procedures. Absolutely. So do you mind sharing a little bit about that too and how, do, how are we doing in 2020 with that? Yeah, well, you know, I think that goes back to uh, a little bit ties into all three of the points that I made, but you know, 
mostly in, in the security space. So right, there's a lot more attention now on uh, individual security, individual data. Uh, you know, a lot of the services that people get are free, but mm -hmm. the, the cost of that freedom is access to your information. And uh, absolutely. And so uh, yeah, it remains a big concern. I think Europe has led the way with the I think GDPR to uh, yes. data yeah. protection, and you're starting to see. Uh, rumblings of that in other parts of the world. So, you know, it, rem it remains a really big issue, uh, whether at the individual level or just companies in and of themselves protecting their data. Um, you know, we all live today on mountains of, of data. And I, I almost like to dial ahead a thousand years and say, what they do with all this data that they were collecting? Because you know, <laughs> we look back to the mid Middle Ages and there's really only things that people wrote. There's no pictures, there's no movies, there's you know, no, no files stored or anything like that. So all of that's based on word of mouth uh, that we have and maybe some physical relics. But a thousand years from now, what, what happened with all this data? Um, where did it all go? Did it help us? And did, did, did we learn from this? It's going to be an interesting thing, not directly related to your question. Uh, mm -hmm. But no, the, I, the security... But you're right. I mean, when you think about it, a thousand years ago and then in ten and thousand years from now, uh, what will be? Uh, it, it's just amazing. It doesn't appear that long or appears that it is. But in reality, evolution of everything comes to a certain pivotal point and mm -hmm. then something else occurs. So when do we uh, go over certain threshold, right? And oh, yeah, yeah. we see certain things that has to give, has to change. Now we're getting even with iPhone and more, but uh, with more memory and, and additional memory that you can buy. And all of a sudden it's like, how come I'm, I'm eating up so much of the memory of my iPhone? <laughs> of course, you're saving all these videos and photos is available. Yeah. And you know, it's like, oh, come on. Things that you really don't think about it, but in reality, um, definitely shaping and changing our habits oh, as absolutely. well as our needs yep. i mean how many how many ways we use even iphone uh as a device not anymore just to make a calls and send each other text oh, yeah, we have yeah. so many ways that we're using such a one small device and think about where, where things going to go in years to come oh yeah yeah the percentage of time that most people use their phone as a phone is actually dropped precipitously Nowadays, I mean, I have a work phone and a personal phone, but I'm on my computer uh, doing most of the calls. So I, I spend my, my, my phone is used for uh, health data, for exercise data, for maps, uh, you know, for email correspondence. Every once in a while, I get a FaceTime call. <laughs> right. Yeah, definitely all habits are altering in as a result, obviously, of what organizations are doing. So do you mind just touching a little bit since I mentioned also that you are part of this uh, very special uh, group at Gartner. Uh, do you mind sharing a little bit about for the uh, general managers uh, of the Gartner, what exactly you guys are doing in the little uh, specialized area? Sure, sure. So just to recap what I mentioned earlier about the role, we, we're working with uh, high technology companies, uh, you know, applications companies, software companies, telecommunications and the like, uh, to help them, their lead product executives or you know, a series of their lead product executives be successful in the marketplace, which means grow right, without a revenue growth. So uh, we, we spend a lot of time evaluating the proprietary market data and the analysis mm -hmm. of the markets uh, that Gartner has, uh, understanding where companies are growing, uh, what rate they're growing in. Um, we have information about the performance of the companies in the marketplace from surveys that we do. And we use those surveys to help companies understand when they've been successful, why, and when they haven't, why. Similarly, they can look at their competitors and understand uh, the same exact things when their competitors have been successful, why, when their competitors have not been successful, why. So that 
provides a lot of data and information and insight for these clients um, to evaluate the vision that they have, the specific product strategies that they have, uh, and, and how to adjust that as they go forward. Uh, once that's in place, we then move more toward bringing the product to market. What, what do they need to do to you know, increase their visibility in the marketplace, uh, improve the amount of times that they get brought into a bid uh, and has to provide uh, their technology uh, to their customers. And it's almost all B2B in our case. Mm -hmm. um, third, uh, when they, now that they're getting the uh, participate in bids or requests for quote or RFPs, many different words people use, um, how are they winning? And are their winning rates improving? Uh, and then when they get in the market, are they being successful there? Right? So we, we bring a combination of a lot of data uh, that Gartner, as you mentioned earlier, has accumulated yes. over the years. And we contextualize that for the specific clients. So it, it's relevant to their products, their marketplaces. Uh, but then, you know, we guide them through the entire lifecycle from the uh, concept of their products in through their entire go to market and then uh, success in the marketplace. And, you know, we continue to evolve that. Uh, whatever the product cycles are, every 18, 12 to 18 or 24 months and, uh, and, and move on to the next, next major domain. Help them anticipate where inflection points might become. I'm not, not going to rescind why they're only visible in the rearview mirror, but we start seeing trends and where those trends are going based on interacting with so many different companies all around the globe. And that, you know, that advice and that insight and that objectivity with an outside in view is extremely valuable to, the, to, the, you know, to our client base. And I would, the reason I'm asking all of this specifically during the current time, you want to know what exactly are you measuring right things? Are you looking yeah. at the right information in order to make a decision? And how are you making decisions? Yes. Are you being proactive versus reactive? Uh, because I'm seeing also trends that a lot of projects and programs are being put to kibosh because they're not even being evaluated properly or, or they're not being supported and validated with the right data. As a result, some things that could or should be maybe kept up, they're not. But in the same time, everybody's seeking some traction and um, stable footing. And right now, of course, that is where, even though we complain the magnitude of the data, but if we're not analyzing, looking through the right lens, it's not useless. I mean, I'm sorry, it's not useful, it's useless. And, 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 and you guys obviously made that useful uh, on a very short uh, cycle, so you can really start getting traction very, very quickly. And reason again, I want for uh, the listeners and people that are watching to really grasp and set back and look at what we can possibly change and where the opportunities are. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's interesting, if we're doing our job well, what you just described is a, a perfect way that a company would take advantage of that is using that data and making sure they could validate, understand, look at the assumptions they may not have factored in there. Uh, so that's, you know, that, that's, that's a really key part of what we do. The other thing that's interesting, you know, based on what you just said, Isabella, is we see a lot of focus now on taking existing products and being very successful in the marketplace. It's not that there's anybody curtailing their long-term development, but mm -hmm. in the short term with this disruption, you know, are they able to reposition products that now might have had one value proposition before COVID and now with a remote work from home environment, there's a, a different proposition. Very, um, very how good. do I sell when I'm my salespeople are not out there having dinners and drinking wine uh, with, with, their, with their potential customers, right? So there's a lot of this uh, short term adjustment with what do we do to get ourselves solid on our feet while at the same time as we mentioned earlier, not necessarily forgetting about the future because uh, the future will arrive. We know that. 
<laughs> Absolutely. But I'm also sure, I'm sure it's scaling, right? Because of the certain things that because it's not any more appetite for certain products on the uh, of projected or anticipated um, uh, percentage as we were looking in 2018, 2019. So where the needs are and then what can we elevate and increase so that we can augment uh, deficits in other areas. As we know, um, again, we have to, and I love one of my favorite things is again, transformation. And that is the really process that takes time and effort. And it's within, within individuals, within teams, as well within organizations. It's not just, uh, you know, quick rapid change. We roll out new technology and let's go. Uh, so I'm glad you guys are equal investing. And I'm sure that contributes uh, tremendously to your success recognizing how important it is to really foster internally not only just innovation but transformation Absolutely. and testing things out and then disseminating outside externally to partners vendors customers and everybody else right. so if you don't mind um, just to share from legacy aspects, I know you have your own inter internal legacy and desire and drive. Obviously we're on the Legacy Leaders Show and I just love seeing over the years uh, through our friendship and remote virtual relationship <laughs> through LinkedIn and now having again virtual conversation and interview, which I'm super excited about obviously. But um, I know you uh, have passion for technology and everything, but I know you have some other personal passions and that tie together for the greater good. So do you mind just sharing some of those that you are still having in your bucket list and you wanted to accomplish to make that positive change in, and transformation? Sure. You know, actually, I think the biggest one is I recently read a book called uh, Younger Next Year. And as I- uh, Wow. I'm, I'm getting closer to 70 than 60, not quite there yet. Um, you know, it's uh, health and, uh, and you know, both physical and mental health and well-being are really, really important to me. So I exercise very regularly, you know, go out on long bike rides, and I'm the type of guy that likes to push myself really hard. So very, very internally competitive. Uh, and it's really hard because I've kept records on my exercise. You look fantastic, Michael, by the way. So oh, thank ahead. you. Thank you. <laughs> it's in, my, in the tan of living in Florida, too. It helps me. <laughs> but, you know, that really drives me quite a bit. And, and listening to the, uh, I, I did an audio book, uh, and just listening to the, it was really, for me, validation and affirmation of uh, the healthy lifestyle, uh, the need for, you know, a combination of exercise, personal fulfillment, uh, relaxation, uh, friendship and togetherness it was really a combination of all of those things uh, but you know that really helped me because i you know i'd like to keep working for another maybe 10 more years seven to ten more years as long as we're having fun uh, and then you know after that live healthy enough to really enjoy uh, the fruits of life uh, so it's uh, you know i continue to focus in that area and hopefully it'll work out <laughs> Absolutely. And obviously with the right attitude and mindset, everything is possible. So I love your uh, athlete for life mentality because a lot of people feel like that something has to give. And more than ever, we're recognizing the importance of self-care and you're a great role model. And a lot of times, unfortunately, actually, and leader, leaders in the leadership team and C-suite or, or, or supporting roles don't usually exude that. So it's great to see someone who is also walking the talk and be able to really uh, show that and demonstrate as well as rally their teams to do the same. Absolutely. So right now it's a chase for longevity and uh, obviously, and I'm hearing this uh, with a lot of uh, companies that they're really recognizing 
what 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 is left to do and and it's like we just want to make sure that we have a quality of life right yeah. oh absolutely yeah. and i had to i had to do a shout out to my my boss Yvonne Highland. Uh, she's a real exercise and uh, physical health and mental well-being uh, role model and advocate herself. So it's, uh, you know, we'll talk to each other. She's on her treadmill sometimes and I'm out driving, getting ready to go on a bike ride and, you know, and we stay in touch like that. So we're able to figure out how to blend uh, uh, personal health and well-being with work together. <laughs> that is beautiful. And, and I really love that, that you are able to preserve that while you're working in such a highly demanded role within the company, which also reflects the culture. So uh, what, what is also coming for Gartner, if you don't mind? Uh, where, where are you guys headed? What, what are you guys going to surprise us next with that you can share? <laughs> Well, hopefully we surprise everybody next uh, next year with uh, events being live again. Uh, this year, of course, has been very, very difficult. And uh, we made the, uh, I think, extremely good decision to curtail face-to-face -face, uh, venues uh, through 2020. Uh, and, and now we're developing and continuing to implement virtual mechanisms there uh, to deliver a similar experience. And of course, it's going to be always very difficult to replace a completely one-on-one -on -one personal experience that an individual can have at a live event and the hundreds, if not thousands of people that they have the opportunity to bump into and, and discuss. Uh, but, you know, we're, we're continuing to focus on uh, what we call role-based services. So really designing what we do for specific roles in an organization. So whether it's the HR uh, officer, the product officer like that we deal with, uh, the chief sales officer. Uh, we've already worked very extensively with chief uh, information officers, CEOs, uh, CFOs. Right? That that suite of roles allows us to really, really tune the research and the insight that the team has developed over the years and continues to expand on with large footprints of data, as you mentioned, you know, and continue to really support companies at that level so that a person in a role can say, I have a service that I can lean on and uh, take advantage of that uh, in the future in a, in a way that is unique to a partner as uh, provides compared to others. Brilliant. So diminishing silos and creating more interaction and more creative uh, support that you guys then just continue to thrive. That's awesome. That's the goal. Thank you. Thank you. It was absolute pleasure to have you. And a last quick question. It's anything there that you would like to listeners and viewers to live with. Um, I know we cover a lot, again, people, technology, processes, the issues, uh, the future, but obviously uh, with such amazing uh, wealth of knowledge and history uh, in navigating so well, tremendously these changes and transformation, what would be your piece of advice? I'm gonna go back to the one word that I mentioned a little bit earlier, and it's compassion. Uh, you know, it, it's a challenging time for everybody in this world right now. There's a lot going on. Uh, I don't need to point out to any one specific thing. Anybody who's even remotely aware understands the uh, dynamics that we have. It is really just respecting and understanding everybody individually. And you know, your choices are your choices, and that's fine. Others have different choices. And so long as they don't affect one another negatively, uh, respect where people are at and respect where they've come from. Understand where they've come from, especially if you have to interact with them and you know, appreciate that they might have arrived at uh, their life and their position in life because they took a different road than you. And uh, some of those might've been choices. Some of those might've been just things that happened to them. But you know, mm -hmm. compassion is really key. Understand, respect, and uh, if I can drop a Beatles quote at the very end, uh, all you need is love. <laughs> uh, I think that at the end of the day, that, that's for me the most important component of, uh, of leadership and going forward is compassion and, and love. 
fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Again, thank you so much for your time.